Great testimony. Great testimony. Last, the last testimony we got uh, from the walkers, I've been walking through that. I say walkers, I'm Southern. But walk, walking through the, that with the walkers and just seeing God do amazing things. Last Sunday, the testimony was about Jenna and Chris, who are actually here this morning. And we say congratulations. Great stuff happening. Amen. Awesome things are happening. So I want to talk to you today and uh, take some notes that are uh, take some notes that make sense. Uh, share this with your share this with your family. Talk about it over the next few days uh, with your family and especially with your children as we prepare for communion today. I was asked a, I was asked a question uh, a, a few years ago by a good friend. He and he said, "So what about the church? So what about the church?" And we we were we entered into a few week conversation around church and what it is and what it means and how it should function and what we think about it, right? And uh, so I'm going to talk about that, but I'm going to talk about that at the end. But this is my title. So what about the church? Say it in your way. So yeah, so what about the church? Now, I want to make sure we understand that when we talk about the church and we're here as a family today together, right? Don't be too hard on your children, all right? They're used to being in a, in a wonderful children's church program right now, and maybe now they could be running around or doing something wild. So don't, don't, be, don't be too rough on them today, okay? And tell them Grandpa Martin said, you know, it's okay. You know, hang out with us. The, that the church is not a building. The church is not a place that we go. The church is not an event we attend. It's not just something on our calendar that we do whatever. It's not a place to fulfill our religious obligations. It's not what the church is. The church is really, the church is the spiritual family of God. It is God's family that you belong to. It's a family of God that you belong to after you've received Jesus as your Lord, Savior, and King. It's your family. Say it. It's your. I want. I want to talk to you about this now because we're. We are. We are in our world. The church is turning into the world, and it's beginning to function like the world. But the church is not the world. It's God's family, and we're going to talk about what that family does here in just a little bit. So now, so when we read Acts two, we read in Acts two the situation in Acts two is that. They were back to pay taxes, and everyone was there, Grecians. There were, there were different skin colors there, people from different countries, different political movements, different accents, different food. There was this diverse group of people back in Jerusalem to give their taxes. And the Holy Ghost fell, and something amazing happened. Peter got up and started talking about Jesus Christ and how he gave his life for everyone. And this is what happened. So those who believed him, those who believed Peter, say believed, they were baptized, say baptized, right? They believed that day and then they were baptized. They were submerged in water, identifying them with what's getting ready to happen. The next phrase is they were added to the church. They believed, they were baptized, and they were added to the church. Not necessarily this church, but the church. They were added to the church. And this is what happened after they were added to the church. 3,000 people got saved in one day. Awesome. 
there were over 8,000 that week because he preached a second time. So people kept giving their hearts to the Lord. Watch this now. All the believers did what? Say it. They devoted. They devoted themselves to listening to the apostles teach. They devoted themselves to hear what the Bible had to say. And the apostles had the Old Testament. So everything they were saying that we read now, they didn't have. It was being scripted as the apostles were teaching. They had the words of Jesus, but it was not in this form yet. So they were devoted. They devoted themselves to the teaching and to fellowship with one another and sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper. They met at the temple, and they met together in one another's homes. People from all over the known world were getting together to celebrate communion, this wonderful wedding feast of God that we're going to talk about here in a bit. They celebrated that together. And they fellowshiped with one another. They were together. They were together all the time. Regardless of their differences, they stayed together. It was the one thing they had in common, and that was their family. Now watch this now. So the church is God's spiritual family. It's his spiritual family who helps one another fulfill God's purpose for their lives, thereby fulfilling God's purpose as a whole. This is what the church is. The church is a culture and an atmosphere where I'm with you and you're with me physically. Physically. We're together physically encouraging one another to fulfill each other's purpose. I'm with you encouraging you to fulfill your purpose. You're with me encouraging me to feel, fulfill my purpose. And when all of us are fulfilling our purposes, God's purpose is fulfilled. That's how God gets it done. He gets it done in his church. So when I said, when my friend asked me, when my friend said, so what about the church? I mean, why is this going to be so important to me? And I was telling him that the church is the most important entity on the planet, even before I wrote the book. Before I wrote the book. Before I wrote the book. Good books to read. Obviously, Rick Warren's book on uh, 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 the Purpose Driven Church is an amazing book to read. Uh, there are several other books out there, but I'll say his book and then I'll say my own, The Brilliant Church. It's an excellent book to read. It's a mighty powerful book to read. Amen. Amen. You don't want to spend the money, steal your neighbors and uh, whatever. Okay. So why is the church the most important entity on the planet? And most people don't. Yes. Say it with me. Yes, it is. People argue because the concepts of church in your mind can be weird because you think I am the church. No. This is not the church. This building is not the church. This, the name of our church is not the church. The church is universal. You know, the, the survey says that there are 2.3 billion people in the church. I'm not talking about other religions. I'm talking about churches that say Jesus is Christ. 2.2 billion. 2.2. It's the big, it's the largest organization on the planet. The church. We have some differences in idiosyncrasies, but it is the largest organization on the planet. And here's why it's the most important. It's important because the church is God's family. Write these down. This is the, this is the NCV version, though. It says, although I hope I can come to you, Paul's saying soon, I'm writing these things to you now. Why? Then even if I am delayed, you will know how to live in the family of God. You'll know how to live in the family of God. Then he says, 
That family is the church of the living God. So you may have a physical family of you and your four and six or two and no more. But your family is not going to do well unless you're part of God's family. Look at me, people. You need God's family. Well, I'm not sure I do. Okay. I'm telling you, you do. Why is it the most important place? Number two and number three, he created the universe for the church, not you. I'm going to give you the scripture in just a minute. And God will only use his church to do his work. So why is the church the most important entity on the planet? Because it's the family of God. Now, you know something's wrong with you until you're by yourself. I'll say it again. Did you understand what I said? Okay. You know something's wrong with you when you're around other people who love you because they'll help you see what's really going on with you. You don't get perfect till you're by yourself. And as soon as you're by yourself, now you say everyone else is wrong. That's only because you're by yourself now. But when you're around people who love you, they help you. Mm-mm. That's not right. So the idea for most people who are uncomfortable and spiritually mature is to get somewhere where they're by themselves. Let me give you the scripture and move on. And so here I am, Paul says, I'm preaching and writing about things that are way over my head. The exhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. What did he say? My task is to bring out into the open and make plain what God who created all, God created all of this in the first place. Paul says, everything you see was created for what I'm getting ready to tell you. The universe was created for what I'm getting ready to tell you. Every star, every ant that crawls, every blade of grass, every constellation, gravity, lights, the moon, the star, everything you see was created for this one thing. And what is that? It is this. It has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Here it is. Through followers of Jesus... Like yourselves, gathering in churches. Read the last part. This extraordinary plan of God is becoming known. God created the entire universe so that those of us who gather in churches might be able to show the entire world how great God is. Everything was created for the church. It's too much for you. The fourth reason is, I'm only going to give you five. Jesus died for the church. It's the only thing he died for. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a Glorious church. So the church is the most important entity on the planet because he died for it. And lastly, the church he chose to be the only solution to the world. It's the only thing that's going to work. 
It's the, well, that's six, that's five, yeah. That's what y'all, I'm sorry, yeah. I skipped one? No, I didn't skip one, okay. The church is the only thing that God, that's going to succeed. It's the only thing that's going to work. It's the only thing. Watch this. It says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I'm going to do something through my church and through my church only. Only, only through my church. Only through my church. And when you start talking about and thinking about and showing your children that church is second, third, fourth on your list, I'm just, I'm just saying to you, I'm imploring you, I'm, I'm just asking you to think about this, what you're giving them, what you're saying to them. I will give, I'm going to give to my church what? Keys of the kingdom of heaven. So whatever the church binds is bound. Whatever the church says is right is right. Whatever the church says is wrong is wrong. The church is going to have this power to make everything great. It is the only entity that can do that. So the church is the biggest privilege I have of joining. I'm not necessarily talking about AWC. I'm talking about the church, period. And, not but, and if this is your house, join it. I'll end with this. There are benefits. There are benefits to being in God's church. And here they are. Here they are. Here are the benefits. I know I'm doing it in reverse. I should be talking about, you're thinking, what about the church? I'm going to do that here in just a minute. Here are the benefits. Great books to read that I gave you earlier. Great books to study so that you understand. Number one, the first one is the church helps you focus on God. You can't focus on God watching me online. No, 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 okay. Let me talk to your kids before they end up being a mess. Listen, that device in your hand, that telephone, that iPad, is a separator from you and God. It's a divider. It divides people. You read one comment by someone, and you think that's the whole story. People spend hours trying to find out what you liked and didn't like. And people are becoming more and more separated. Don't want to have anything to do with one another. Don't want to talk to one another. <laughs> but when I'm with you every week, and we're in church together. Y'all going to be quiet? And we, can I be pastor for that? Just, just give me 20 minutes. And we're together all the time? I can say to Matt, what was that you posted? What did that mean? He better not say to me, that's none of your business. Oh, no. We family. No, 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 no. We, we is family right here. We is brothers. 
What's going on with you? Talk to me a little bit. When I'm in a church, somebody eventually is going to say to me, Martin, are you focused on God? Is God first to you? What's happening in your life? You still praying? We were praying together. Are you still praying? That's how I got in this conversation with my friend. I got in a conversation with him because I'm like, where are you at? What's going on with you? What's happening with you? He's one from Omaha. I was pastoring, but he was in the church someplace else. And I'm like, what's going on with you? And he's like, well, what about the church? I said, how are you doing? How are you doing with the house of God? Well, what about the church? And I said to him, you know, me and you, we don't do this attitude thing. Because attitude gets in the way of communication. No, 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 no. I'm not backing off because you and me started running together with God. So you're not going to be able to just get mad at me. Look, look, okay. Okay, okay. I know how fragile people are. They're just real fragile. They don't want nobody to talk to them, touch them, whatever. But I said to him, you and I are friends. <laughs> we have to talk. How about the men that showed up yesterday and was in one another's face? So this is what the guys were doing. 50 of them yesterday. It's like, what's going on with you? Where are you? How are you doing? Hmm? Being in a church, being in church, helps you focus on God, putting him first. Number two, it helps me face my life's problem. When I'm in church and I'm in relationship and people are open, I come here and I find out I'm not the only one. <laughs> I'm not the only one going through something. And you can think the person standing here, because they're giving you the word of God, that stuff is perfect in their life. It is not perfect in their life. Why am I talking like Bob Dole? It's not perfect in Bob Dole's life. It's not perfect in Martin Williams' life. Nothing is perfect in my life. Nothing is perfect in your life. There is some stuff going on. And when we're in church, we ought to be able to this say, this is what's going on. And someone should say, me too. Or I've been there. This is how I got out of it. No shame. No, no bothersome attitude. It's like we're all dealing with something. And when we're, when, we're, when we're in God's family, we never want to hurt one another. We're always in it to be a blessing to one another. But I have to face my problem. Life is a series of problems. They don't end. They don't ever stop. There's always going to be something that you've got to walk through. And you can't walk, it through, walk through it alone. You got to have some people walk through this with you. You got you to have relationships. You got to have an open heart to be a part of a family. Now, you, some people say, well, I don't even like my blood family. I don't like to go to family reunions. I don't like to hang out with them. My sister's children wear me out. Okay, I think I get that. But I don't really get that. Right? There is a way to work through issues when you're in a family. It's called communication. Why do we hide in our families? Why do we hide from our spouses? Why do we hide from our children? Why don't the closest people to us know what's really going on with us? Why is that? Have you ever went out with your friends who don't love God? 
I do. I do. I, I, I do. I hang out with people who don't love God. When I go home to Mississippi, oh, I'm, I'm with the buddies, the homies, drunk, ain't got a rock in their head, alcoholics, cussing, and, and all over the place because these are the guys I grew up with. And I really enjoy myself. You know why I enjoy myself? Because they don't be playing. They look at one another and say, you just a fool. What is wrong with you? Well, who are you talking about? You are too. And before it's over, they laughing. Ah, <laughs> that's the truth. We don't do that here. We walk in this room. We walk in this room on the green carpet, sit in the purple chair, and we're hidden from one another. We won't open up to one another. And before you know it, the church feels like a bunch of warlocks and witches. Everybody's manipulating somebody against somebody. It's like, what is it? So I ask myself, what about the church? Shoot. Because <laughs> number three. If I'm in the church with people, it'll fortify my faith. Someone will encourage me about what I'm believing for. Someone will stand with me. Yes, I'm going to get some people who act funny, but there's going to be a couple of brothers and a couple of sisters that say, I'm standing with you. I'm praying for you. God gave me a word for you. It helps me find my place to make a difference. That's what the church does. The church, you, you can't get this on Snapchat, folks. Well, I got my online community. There ain't no such thing as an online community. They cannot smell your breath <laughs> online. I'm in an online church. The pastor sent me an email. Email is not communication. It's messaging. I don't know what you're saying until I can see your body. Because it's 75% of what you're saying. I'm texting. I love you. I love you. That's my text. I love you. That's my text. But if you saw me while I was texting, I love you. What have I just said? I don't really love you. I don't really know how to communicate that I don't love you. I got an issue with you that I'm not saying, but instead of dealing with that, I'm just going to tell you I love you. So when we are in one church and we see one another in the hallways and we're part of the family, I don't care how big this family gets or how small it gets. I just know my assignment here is to build a family. And it helps me fulfill my life mission. Two questions I believe Jesus is going to ask. In the presence of Rick Warren, he asked these questions. And I'm like, that's exactly what I was thinking. Number one, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with my son? When you die, when you get to heaven, when you get to wherever. Crossroads, I don't know how people see it. Purgatory or waiting place or I don't know. What'd you do with Jesus? 
Second question, what would you do with what I gave you? Did you finish your course? Did you keep your assignments? And it's only in the church where someone can say to you, because you can, you can tell people, this is what I believe I'm called to do. They say, oh, that's nice. That's nice. And then you can change it next week. I can say I love my family here on, online. I can say I love my family. But when I'm walking down the hallway, Mr. Carter, Mr. Lee, some of these old men will stop me. And they'll ask me, how's your family doing? My family's doing great. Why are you asking? And sometimes they'll say, slow down, son. I just asked you how your family's doing. How's your wife? How are your children? And then I know they mean business. So I stop. I button up my coat, and I let them talk to me. What are you, what are you sensing? Did you pick up something? No. Winston Lee said this to me one day. He said, I didn't pick up anything. I just wanted to say to you, keep your family first. Don't make this church first. Make your family first. And I was getting ready to defend myself. And I said to myself, don't defend yourself. The man just told you something. Right? Bob Marday would say, how you doing, Pastor Martin? Say, I'm doing great, Bob. He said, you know what, Pastor Martin? Sometimes you got to cut some people loose. <laughs> Y'all didn't know Bob, but that's Bob. You, got, you just got to cut him. Yeah. <laughs> I said, Bob, that's not. He said, I'm just, he said, I'm just telling you. You just have to cut sometimes. This is what church does for me. The imperfect pastor. This is his family. So what about the church? Ambassadors Worship Center, the only reason we exist is so people can pursue and find their purpose in the kingdom of God. That's it. We want you to find you in him and live that through your family. That's really it. That's all we're trying to do. So, last two things. What about the church? I said to my friend, you and I have to get this straight. So let's understand something. When you ask me what about the church, what are you saying? Well, I just don't know. I'm not sure I want to go and the people there are funny and the, the pastors, the da-da-da-da-da. And I said, okay, number one, let's take it out of the realm of the pastor and the people. Let's not even do that. Because I could get that your pastor, if he hit the ball, if he hit the ball one time out of five, he could make $50 million a year in baseball. One time out of five, he could make $50 million a year. You want him to show up every Sunday and hit the ball out of the park. So let's take it away from him, her, them. Number one, I told him, you have it wrong. I'm talking to my friend now, not you. But if the shoe fits, un I mean, loosen that shoe on your foot. It's going to kill you. You have it wrong, I said to him. The church wasn't built for you. 
The church was instituted for him. It's his church, not your church. So everything's not going to work out for you if you think the church exists to take care of you. You got this wrong. Number two, you were born for the church. The church was not born for you. You fit inside it. It doesn't fit inside your lifestyle. Number three, I said to him, the church doesn't need you. Can I turn around for a minute and say this? Let me say it now. And let me think before I say it. How I want to say it. How I want to say it. How do I want to say this? How can I put this so it makes sense and doesn't offend anybody? All this stuff, as I travel, as I talk to people, as pastors call me around the world, I'm trying to answer this question for folks, and I don't understand when people think that they can take something from the church, that the church needs you. I mean, it's like, where did this psychosis come from? That the church is going to die because you take your pennies. That a class is not going to be held because you don't like to be here. Are you kidding me? God going to let his church die because you think you're so important. Ask your neighbor because I can't. Ask him, have you lost your ever-loving mind? If I decided and got my head twisted and decided to go on and do something else, this church would not skip a beat. It'd probably get better. God will just lift up somebody. God, God's not going to let his church die because somebody thinks, well, they need me over there. Listen to me. You're not stuff on a stick. The church gives you the privilege See, you don't know. You don't know. While you're passing out, you don't understand this. I do. That's why I don't step in the way of people serving. Serve, come and serve, and then come and sit. Don't just come when you serve. Sends a message. Sends a message to God. Sends a message, and you don't understand what's happening. You are being miyagied. You are being miyagied. You are being Show, listen, I just want you to do this. I don't want to do that. Just do it. Paint on, up, down. That's all we're trying to do with you. You don't even understand what's being happening while you're here, hearing the word under the leader. Because now you're in, a, you're in a minimum wage job. But you use this and you don't know it. When you get to work, you're like, I see and I understand this. You're in your business. You're getting ideas. And all of a sudden, you're like, you, you, something happens at work. And it, because it happened here, you go, and it's like, oh, I didn't even know I did that. Then they see you do it. They say, hey, we want you to leave. You're being taught how. When I stand here and you don't want to hear me, I don't, it doesn't really matter to me if you want to hear me. 
I care, but it doesn't matter. I care for you. I care for myself, but it doesn't matter whether you hear me. My job is to get something out to you so you can hear it. Because I know what God wants to do in your life. So I said to him, get it straight. And this is the last thing. This story. Our church was two years old. Our church was, our church was two years old. This is 22 years ago. I had hair. <laughs> 22 years ago. I was 180 pounds. 7% body fat, I was in shape, I was smart, and I was on my way to the University of Southern Mississippi to work in the athletic department, and after that, I was going to the NFL to help them deal with their uh, onboarding of athletes. That's where I was going. I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, with a church of 30 people, meeting in houses. We didn't own nothing. All of us trying to figure out what in the world is we doing here. My wife especially. What are we doing? One of our loving people who had a household, a man and a wife, five children. The oldest boy decided to sneak out of the house, take the car. His younger brother followed him out the window and said, if you don't take me with you, I'm going to scream. I'm going to tell mom and dad. They got in the car. The older brother missed a turn because they went and got some booze and started drinking underage. Mr. Turn ran into a big cement pot in the middle. This is about uh, uh, Crown Point and 72nd. The younger brother is ejected from the car. He flies out of the car and hits head on this concrete His neck is broken instantly. He never breathed again. His brother, who took the car, went around to him and tried to revive him. He was not able to be revived. He died right there. Never seen anything like it. Broken as we were at 2 o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call and I headed to the house. And then I was told, don't go to the house. The father is at the hospital. So I showed up at the hospital. We didn't have a lot of, you know, elder, we didn't have all that stuff. We just hanging out. When I got to the hospital, there were seven men there standing with him. I wasn't the first one they called. They, I mean, and I'm talking about they were standing there, crying and weeping and sobbing, but standing up straight with their brother. When I walked in, they almost were saying to me, we don't really need you. 
So I stood back as they took care of their brother. They did that. He did not drive anywhere by himself for a month. They escorted him to work. They would go and escort him home so that he would not be alone and have crazy thoughts about his two boys. The men did that. When I left the hospital, I went to the house where the mother was. There were 30 people at the house. They were cooking, cleaning, washing clothes. They were cooking, Millie. You were there. Victoria was there. Just inside the house, vacuuming. The mother was sitting down telling the stories of the boys, just talking about how much she loved her boys. She was doing nothing. There was someone at her house. She never cooked. She did not cook a meal for a month. Not one person said, you should have been better parents. You should have had alarms on your windows. How can we serve you? How can we be a blessing to you? She was not alone for a month. People slept in the house. A month later, I got the phone call from the University of Southern Mississippi. We have your job ready. And I said, I'm staying because of what's happening here. This is family. This is people who care. We had some structure, but it was fledgling. It was horrible. The more structure we got, the less people care. If, if something happened to you and somebody from this group showed up at your house, would you even let them in? I'm just not interested in having thousands of people who show up to have a spiritual orgy once a week. I have no interest. I, it doesn't motivate me at all. But if we're going to be, fa- you didn't know what I meant, spiritual orgy. We just come to get high, get whatever it is, ah, and then go home. We don't care about one another. We don't care about one another's kids. We're not in one another's life. We, we are talking about one another. No interest. But to care enough. How are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. No, you're not. You're depressed. Your child is flunking, failing, failing school, and you're just so proud that you won't tell anybody when on this side of our sanctuary, somebody has the answer. Somebody knows.
I remember the time in my family, my family, ten girls, four, four boys, 14 of us, right? I remember the time growing up that every time we go to family reunion, it's just the first day is good. The, the next two, all hell. I'm talking about, and in our family, we cry when we fight. What's your family do? Y'all feel, anybody else got a family? Y'all cry? Just mad, just crying. It's like, oh, my God, what is this? What are we doing as a little boy, even as a young man? What are we doing? I'm married now. My wife family don't work like that. They get together and talk. They're talking about one another and eating. 400 people at, at their family reunion, 400. The sinners, the gamblers, and the saints. So we have a church service, a drunken party, and what all happened at the same family reunion. My family's fussing crying. My wife's got to come. The last 10 years, I was with them a couple weeks ago. Oh my God. Just so together, sharing and because those years when we had to deal with our issues without mom and dad there to help us. We had to deal with what we felt. How we felt about life. We had a session where we just all said what we were afraid of in our family. You're sitting here in this church. Let me, because uh, people don't always understand my heart, but I'll give it to you on a platter. When people can sort of celebrate what they think could be our downfall. I, in my head, I, I, tried to, I tried to cope with that. Can't cope with that. It's too big. Too big. So instead, if anyone asks me, I tell them what my motivation is. My motivation it's family. I don't care anything about this building. Right. Now, if you're going to get it, you got to pay me now. We ain't playing that now. You, can't, you ain't going to take it. <laughs> don't care about the size of this congregation. Big, little, medium, or small. It's not the issue for me. The issue for me is, are we family? Can people receive enough to find the kingdom in this house? That's what's important to me. Don't just walk in and walk out. Please. 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 And, and, and I promise this will be the last thing I say right now. If you see somebody and in your heart just goes out to them, just say, my heart goes out to you. Is there anything you need? Can I pray for you? Forget covenant care, forget member, forget all that. You, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. No, something's going on or God wouldn't have stopped me. What can I do to pray for you? What can I, are y'all good? Yes. Are you and Freddie, are y'all good? Yes. She didn't shake her head, he said yes. So what I'm going to do is like, what's going on? She just listened to the sermon. I'm not setting you up because he's like, why didn't you say yes? So go ahead and say yes for him. Say yes. 
Yes. Now, I'm not talking about, because I know this couple, I'm not talking about is the closet big enough for all your clothes. That's not what we're talking about. I'm asking is everything good between y'all. Yes. Yeah, right? Because I care about that. How are your children? How are your sons? I know they don't live with you. But how are they doing? How was your trip? Did the business go well? Where is your wife? Yes. See, this is, I'm sorry, this is me. But this is my family. Did everything go well at the funeral? How are you since your mom died? It doesn't matter how old you are, you're going to feel abandoned. See, th th this is, this is, you see people, you walk past them, and in your head, you want to reach out to them, but you're like, oh, no, she don't want me to know her business. Get up in that business. Get up in that business. You are family. Get right up in it. And when they walk away, don't take it personally. When they walk away, get up and walk away, Enoch. Get up and walk away. Walk away from me as I'm talking. Hey, you know, I still need to talk to you about this, Enoch. Yeah, we need to talk. You need to talk about it. I've been praying for you. I know you're busy. You're going to work. But uh, I need to talk to you about this. I remember the dream of your grandmother and your mother. I remember when you came to this church as a little boy. If you're going to walk away from me, you're going to have to be able to walk pretty fast. Because I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. We are in relationship. We are in real relationship. And if we, even if you don't go to this church, we're in real relationship. We're family. You need to communicate. You need to talk to me. Because I can't read your mind. I can't tell what's going on with you. You need to trust me. Because I love you. And I care for you. That's relationship. And he could not even want me to bother him. But at this point, it's not his decision. It's mine. It's my decision. And I'm too grown to be petty. It's too small. You're... I'm too big to be jealous. I'm just too, I'm too mature to take what you say to me personally. I just hate you, Pastor Martin. I know. Let's go play golf. I, I know, but I know you're talking to me out of what's going on with you. You're talking to me out of What's happening to you in your life? You're talking to me out of disappointment, pain. I'm mature enough to know that. So I'm going to stay right here. And I'm going to be family. To you, tell your neighbor. We have to be family. Family.